evening. Today is Monday, November 2nd, 2021, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is working with others. Okay, step 12. And our speaker this evening, zooming in from Colorado, is Jen F. Thank you, Jen. Over to you. Thanks, Susan. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, everybody, for asking me to come share my experience, strength, and hope on step 12 tonight. Excited to be here. Um, it's a chilly night in Colorado. If you're listening to the recording, I'm wearing my little hat with my lucky pom-pom on the top because <laughs> it's freaking cold, people. I got my heater down here and my cup of tea here, so it's all good. Um, just hopefully my heart is warm, and today it is as a result of doing the steps in this amazing fellowship. Woo, here we go. So <clears throat> my name is Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater um, and just, just grateful Um you know, to always share my experience, strength, and hope. I just want to welcome the newcomers. If you're new tonight, we're talking about step 12. Um, you're probably not on step 12 and that's okay. Um, or if you haven't put the food in, down and embarked on this journey, we're glad you're here. Um, step 12 is uh, what happens as a result of working the steps. And um, when I get recovered, I go from a seat of membership to recovering, which is an action because I'm taking actions to a recovered state of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Um, I've had a spiritual awakening. What is that? Well, it's just part of one, one part of three in the 12 step. And um, it says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs or compulsive overeaters or anorexics or bulimics or whoever you are out there, right? And um, for me, I'll just say that um, I couldn't carry a message of any sort. I couldn't even carry a tune. I couldn't put a sentence together. Um, you know, my highest weight was 220. My lowest was 120 when I came in here. Um, I'm going to have Amy show my pictures just briefly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in qualifying. Um, but the girl that's um, on the left-hand side in the black and white picture, that was me, miserable. Um, and at my highest weight, I think, I don't even remember, I stopped weighing myself and wore elastic pants and Birkenstocks because I couldn't fit my feet in shoes. Um, the girl that you see on the right, that's the girl who came to Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I was the skinniest girl in the room and everybody thought I was the most recovered girl in the room. And that is false. Um, I was dying inside. As you can see, my eyes are sunken in. There's a hole in my soul and my nose looks like gonzo. Really? I don't know. But anyways, the girl you see in the middle, that's me, right? Like that's who, what I look like today when I go to work and I'm not looking like this. So thanks, Amy, for showing those. Um, but what's more important than the outward physical um, appearance is the inner physical or the inner spiritual transformation in my life. And that's what happened as the first part of this step 12. And the spiritual awakening is found in the appendix in the back of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And there's going to be a quiz. So whoever can post it in the chat first wins. You win nothing but just knowledge. <laughs> and that avails you nothing, but oh, well, we're going to do it anyways. Does anybody know how many times the spiritual uh, awakening asterisk appears in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous? That's the first question. Then the second question is, in what chapters does it appear? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you know, you can start chatting away in the chat. This ought to be fun. A little interactive tonight. 
um, a spiritual awakening. Okay. So for me, uh, a spiritual awakening is what, um, I didn't know what a spiritual awakening was going to be. It sounded pretty like, um, is somebody going to wave a magic wand, bibbity bobbity boo. And all of a sudden, like I'm this beautiful human being that's done the 12 steps. And now I get to go out and embark all this amazing experience, strength, and hope on others. No, the spiritual awakening was something that happened from the inside out. Um, it happened as a result of doing the steps. Um, and it was a transformation of my heart, my mind, my body, my, and my soul. And for me, I didn't even know it was happening to me. Um, people had to tell me that it was happening to me, right? They began to see different things in me. Um, you know, I was a raging mommy monster to my small children. Um, I was a, you know, a bull in a China shop in my office in the corporate world. Um, I was, um, uh, what did my, my ex-husband didn't call me Jekyll and Hyde, but he was like, your, your cup's always half empty all the time. That's what he's yelling at me when we were getting divorced. I was just never happy. Um, and these are how, this is how people saw me now today, as a result of doing the steps, um, my son says to me, you're no longer, um, a mommy monster. You're more like mama Gandhi. That's a big deal for a woman who stood over her kids and belittled and berated them. Um, and uh, my ex-husband and I have an amazing co-parenting relationship. Um, I was just uh, told in my company that I'm one of the top um, out of 20 associates that does my job across the enterprise. And I was flown to Chicago two weeks in a row to help with a corporate event to try and further um, our retirement community. My life has been changed as a result of looking inwards towards myself, uncovering, discovering, and discarding all the things about myself, bringing it to the surface, bringing it to the light. Um, and the only thing I knew how to bring to the light was my food, people like vomiting. That's where I was left off, right? In a back alleyway, throwing up, um, sweating my brains off on a, on a track at three in the morning in the pitch dark to try and run every single bit of food off my body that I was barely eating. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll just say this, the spiritual awakening happens to me. Um, I, I can't make it happen. If you're in this program and you're checking boxes and you're trying to make a spiritual awakening happen in your life, good luck, Chuck. It doesn't work, right? Like it just doesn't happen. Um, what happens to me is I do this palms to the ceiling, surrendering to a power greater than myself. Um, taking action. Yes. Praying like hell it's going to work. Why? Because if there isn't something bigger than me out there, it's, I'm not going to be restored to sanity. You people told me that in step two. So by step 12, like this is what's happening to me. And I love, um, step 12 in the, um, in the AA 12 and 12, because I think it says it pretty good here. When a man or a woman has a spiritual waking, the most important meaning of it is that he has now become able to do feel and believe which he could not do before on his unaided strength and resources alone. See, I needed a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. And so when I did that, I got this aid and he, uh, he says he has been granted a gift, right? I've been set on a path. I've been transformed. I'm just like bullet pointing down the page of 107. Um, why? Because he has laid hold of a source of strength, which in one way or another, 
he had hitherto denied himself. See, I was in the church. I was doing all the things I thought I needed to do. I was um, kneeling on the bench. I was looking at, at the Bible. I was praying to a God that I thought was going to save my ass. And he wasn't because I was doing it. Why? Insincere, insincerely. And I was using God as my bitch. I really was. I just wanted him to give me what I wanted, when I wanted and how I wanted it. Sound like I belong in a 12 step program. Well, I did. Um, it also says he finds himself in possession of a degree of honesty, tolerance, unselfishness, peace of mind, and love, which he had thought himself quite incapable. I never knew I was going to have peace of mind in this program. I never knew I could be honest. In fact, it's really hard for me to lie today. I went to the mall to surprise my boyfriend and get this cute little outfit um, uh, one weekend when we were hanging out. And he goes, where are you? And I was like, um. I'm at South Glen, which is where the mall is. And he goes, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, um, I'm getting gas, which I was going to go get gas next. So I wasn't totally lying, but it like killed me because I didn't want to lie, right? That's how honest I am and how honest I try and be. It also hurts me too, because if people um, really want to know how I feel, sometimes I over, you know, I say it and it kind of hurts, you know, because I shouldn't say exactly what I mean sometimes, but um, let's see. Uh, uh, tolerance. It's amazing that I can even tolerate other people today. Um, that I couldn't do. Um, I couldn't tolerate people on the road. I couldn't tolerate people in my office. Um, right now I'm tolerating a 14 year old teenage girl who doesn't want to talk to her mom for 20 minutes in the car on the way to school. I'm tolerating it because I love her and accept her for who she is and where she's at today. Before this program, oh, I don't even want to know what I would have done to her. You know, I'd probably be yelling at her, telling her she has to have a conversation with me and blah, 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 blah. So thank you, God, for this program. Um, and love. Like, I always wanted to be loved, but I never knew I was capable of loving another human being. <sighs> and what's really interesting is that, like, there are many people on the screen right now, and you know who you are. And I literally tell you people, I love you. Like I text you, you are so amazing in my life. I, how do you like, how do you come to love people that like, I've never even met before yet. I share this language of the heart with, um, so that's, that's part of one part of step 12. The second part of step 12 is that we tried to carry this message to alcoholics. So this is where I'm thankful for, um, the phone meeting that I attend every single morning called a vision for you. And we go line by line, page by page, paragraph by paragraph. And right now we're studying this chapter, working with others. So if you're not on, get on, like it is miraculous. Like it's just such a breakdown and I hear so many great things. And the first thing I want to say is this, at the top of my page, I have these things written on working with others. It is not your job, Jen, to carry others, to save others, to convince others or to boss others. Hmm. It says, this chapter contains 150 suggestions on how to work with others. That's my job. And then I can tell you that I've found all 150 suggestions in here with a little bit of help. And um, wow, am I just blown away by the guidance and direction of how I get to work with others. And what do I need to do? It tells me right here, like, I don't, it's not rocket science, you know, like I just show up and, and like, I'll turn to one page on page 90 and it gives me a whole paragraph. And what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to listen. What am I supposed to get an idea of their behavior, their problems, their background, the seriousness of their condition and his religious leanings. 
not talk to them to death, right? Were you ever talked to death in this program? Like sometimes I have to tell my sponsees, like I need to shut up now. You need to just talk because I have the gift to gab. And then I turn the page even more and I keep going long on page 91. It says, it tells me what to do. See your man alone. It says, engage in general conversation. After a while, turn the talk to some phase of drinking or eating. Tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences to encourage him to speak of himself. And then it tells me, if he wishes to talk, let him do so. And give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit. But it gives me all these great warnings that I have in red in this chapter. But say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. And it goes on and on and on. And it keeps telling me. And it keeps telling me to listen. And if you've been on the lines with us this week, I swear to God, it's telling me to be friendly. That's all I've heard for five days of listening to the big book, right? Friendliness, friendliness, friendliness. I hope I'm being friendly. <laughs> but um, realistically, like I don't have to decide how I'm going to go about working with others. I just have to follow the precise instructions that are laid out in the big book. That's what I have to do. So I was talking um, to a sponsee who I'm taking through um, the chapter right now and, and to another fellow. And um, it's like, okay, working with others, like I'm just, let's see a, a raise of hands. How many people have read this chapter more than five times? Not very many. How many people have read this chapter more than 20 times? Couple people. How many people have read this chapter more than 40 times? Only a couple of people. The reality is, is that I need to read and reread the directions, right? So I was talking to my sponsee the other day and I said, okay, your job, once we read through it together, is to go back and to dissect each single page and read each page, one page at a time. And then, you know, and then you're going to practice that. How are you going to do that? You're going to make an outreach call and you're going to call the newcomer on the line or the new person in the chat. Right. That's how I established how I started working with others in this program. I didn't have these meetings. I didn't have a phone line. What I had was a face to face meeting. And my sponsor always watched because they would say, oh, the newcomer today is so and so. Do we have a newcomer greeter in the room today? And you better believe my hand shot up first. And I was always the girl who was the newcomer greeter. And I was always the girl who was sitting in that room 30 to 40 minutes after the meeting or taking that person to Starbucks for coffee or Panera for whatever. Um, that was me. That was how I was taught to start working with others. Because it doesn't say sponsorship anywhere in the first 164 pages. It says I'm to work with others. If that leads me to shining the light on the text of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And for me, I read page by page, word by word, for the most part, up until a certain point. And then my sponsees kind of have to do it on their own because they need to do it like rapido, rapido, right? Then it's like, okay, that's what we're going to do. And, you know, for me, I just say, keep reading this chapter because, you know, I've only had the privilege of reading this chapter five times. I've only seen five people recover in the last four and a half years. And I've only seen one of them stay recovered in the last two. So that's the reality is that that's why we need to keep working with others. Sharing this message incessantly to others is my job. That's what I have to do. Thanks. And then the last part I'm just going to talk about is practicing these principles in all our affairs. What does that mean? What does that mean for me today? Practicing these principles means in my home, my, all my occupations and affairs, 
um, in work, in relationships, in whatever it means, I'm going to practice the what? The principles are the steps. So when something comes up for me, I get disturbed, I get fearful, I run it through 1 through 12, right? Um, if you want to break it down and you want to look at the words that are so beautifully described for each one of the steps, it's how I live my life. And we talked about that. How am I going to live my life today? Um, step one tells me I'm going to do it with honesty. You know, um, step four says I'm going to use courage without fear. I'm going to trudge every single day. Um, this is my favorite one. And this is the one that I hold the highest for myself, um, is step five. The principle behind it is integrity, complete, nothing left out. That means I don't skip. That means I don't, you know, like we talk about a weighed and measured and prayed and um, meditative life, um, working with others. Like I do not not do those things. Those are the things I have to do. And why I said it to somebody yesterday, the day before, because I know my disease is permanent, progressive and fatal. And if my disease is progressive and I'm recovered, and I no longer crave food or compulsive exercise, I no longer throw up, like I have this amazing gift of neutrality, then what's going to get progressively worse? The disconnect with spiritual power. And so I have to be connected to power every single day. My spiritual connection has to get progressively stronger and better. And like people talk about a spiritual muscle and building muscle, like you don't just walk into a gym one day a week and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? You don't just walk in um, and uh, go from like bony to buff. That's not how it happens. You go in, you train, you eat right. You, I mean, you do all these things. How do I know? Cause I did a bikini competition. That was one of the insane ways I thought I was going to stay skinny in this program before I got to this program. And I know what I did. I did cardio twice a day, weighed seven days a week. I ate what? Three weighed and measured meals. They were insanely measured, like three stalks of asparagus, a half a cup of rice and three ounces of tilapia. That would starve a guppy, right? But that's what I did. And so I know what it takes to get fit. So how am I going to say stay spiritually fit? And how am I going to live by the principles of the steps? By practicing, by living it out in my life on a daily basis. My walk, walk has to match my talk, talk. And that's why it's so important for me to have a tribe of people around me that hold my hand. And that when I'm holding my hand in the fire, they say to me, mm, Jen Marie, looks like you're holding your hand in the fire again. You're being selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and now you're afraid. So what's up? What's going to change sister? And so I work it through the steps one through seven, eight and nine. If I've harmed anybody praying and asking God to remove the defect of character. See the recovered life isn't easy. In fact, if you ask me today, um, I would say I do more today than I did when I walked into the rooms of O-Readers Anonymous attending a meeting. Eh, that's easy, right? Sitting with my sponsor for an hour. Mm, that's easy. Um, all that stuff is easy. Writing a four-step inventory. I didn't think that was too hard. Honestly, I didn't, nobody made a big deal about it when I was going through it. I just put pen to paper. 
Um, but today it's like, I get up, I do service. I talk to sponsees. I'm on a meeting. I'm moderating. I'm speaking here. Um, you know, I've, I've got my stack O devotionals. That's what I call them or readings or whatever that I read in the morning. I have my meditative prayer and, you know, bubbly brook music in the background in the mornings, like the things that I do, I just keep doing. Why? Because I know that to eat is to die. And for a girl like me, if I go back out into that food for one smidgen of a second, I won't come back into these rooms because I will be too embarrassed, too ashamed, and I will be, I'll just be destroyed. So I just think it's a lot easier to do a heck of a lot of work than to come back in here crying and crawling on my knees. Um, so yeah, so, you know, there's a whole chapter devoted to it. There's a whole AA 12 and 12. We only have 20 minutes to touch on it. Um, you know, I can give, uh, some other resources cause we can post those in the chat. That's why I like this meeting. But, um, the reality is, is that step 12 is again, three parts after having a spiritual awakening, what can I do? Carry the message. What does it tell me on, on, on the benediction to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous? It tells me you ain't, you ain't giving away what you don't got. That's the reality. And so many people in this program, and I will say this with love and, and kindness, are giving away something they don't have. You can't sponsor if you haven't been through the steps. If you haven't had a spiritual awakening and you're not sure, call somebody who's recovered. Like, just walk through it. I've taken so many people back through the steps, and I'm taking a girl right now back through the steps. Why? She goes, I never had a spiritual awakening. Perhaps you weren't honest. Perhaps you didn't connect to God. I don't know. I don't have the answers, but let's just go back and try it again. Um, and then once you can, once you've had this spiritual awakening, then you can carry the message. Why? Because you have experience, strength, and hope. And then just keep practicing it like your hair's on fire, like you're desperate and drowning. And I'll um, finish by saying this. I said this to somebody this morning, maybe. I don't know. I think that's I was talking to some lady. And I said to her, I was like, you know, I came from a, I came into recovery. Like I was on the sinking Titanic and I had to leave my food and food behaviors behind and jump from the sinking Titanic into the lifeboat. And there was my sponsor who handed me my life vest, who helped me buckle it, who handed me the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and said, this is your paddle row like hell to the shore of freedom, take action, pray, do what's in this book. Right. And that's, and that's what I did. But now I have to remember that I'm the one that's working with others. I'm in that recovery boat and I'm just waiting for somebody to jump ship. And when they're desperate and they don't want to drown, I'll pull them up over the edge of the side of the boat. And I'll say, come on, I put my hand in yours and let's paddle. You do the work. I'll shine the light and we're going to get to the shore of freedom together. And you know why I do that? Because circling that boat every single day for me are sharks and sharks bite, and I don't want to get bitten. <laughs> so if you're deathly afraid of sharks, like Dory says, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Sorry, I just had to end on a lighter note. I don't know, it's corny, right? Anyways, I think my time is up. So with that, I pass. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Okay, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. 
If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you are on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? So is that over to you, Michelle, now? Yes, it is. Okay. All right, we can get started. Does anybody want to go first? I'll start. Amy? Thanks, Michelle. Thank you, uh, Michelle and Susan, for your service tonight. And thank you so much, Jen, for your share. I, I love your enthusiasm for this book. I wanted to ask you if when you're sponsoring, do you have any across the board, let's call them guidelines, when you start working with a sponsee, um, whether it's number of phone calls or number of meetings or time in prayer and meditation or any any kind of starting point guidelines. Thank you. Thank you for the question, Amy. Um, thanks for having me. Um, okay, so starting guidelines, uh, I really just say to them, are you willing to go to any lengths to get recovered? That's the first part. Second is, are you willing to give it away once you've gotten recovered? So those are, that's the main guidelines, right? Then the second, then the second thing I ask them or the third thing I say is, are you willing to put down the food? Like I won't even start reading in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous till the food's down because there's no reason. It tells me in the doctor's opinion, you cannot understand or hear with effectiveness what I have to say or what this big book has to offer. So it's useless. Um, and then last but not least, I ask everybody to just pray the set aside prayer every single day. You know, God help me set aside everything I think I know about the big book, about the meetings, about the sponsorship, about the people, um, and about you, God, for a whole new experience with all those things. Why? Because I come in here so tainted, right? And, and I'll just say this for me, and this is just my own experience. Um, so I'll just share it. I didn't have phone meetings. I didn't have podcasts. Um, I didn't have any of that when I got recovered. The only thing I had when I got recovered was a, a pen, a notebook, of a pad of paper, and the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't even have the 12 and 12 at first. And then I was introduced to the 12 and 12. Those were the four things that I had. I didn't have assignments. I didn't have number of phone calls to make. And you guys will all cringe on this line when I tell you this. I didn't make a single call during the week. I met with my sponsor on Saturdays. I talked to my sponsor until I got recovered. And then that's when I started making phone calls. It might sound batshit crazy to people. I'm just telling you how I recovered. But I didn't recover with rules and assignments and this, that, and the other thing. Why? Because my sponsor, he just like, he let me do it. And when you allow your sponsees to just do it, that's when I think like the magic happened for me, right? And sometimes I start to like, tell my sponsors to do thing. And I'm like, okay, that's a suggestion. You know, I have to like back up and use the S word, suggest, suggest, suggest. But for the most part, like that's it. Our job is not to give out a laundry list of things to do or whatever, maybe a few basic things, but everything I just told you that I did is in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't make it up myself. I'm without a pass. Thank you. Thank you so much for that answer. Thank you. Uh, next up, we have Daisy. Thanks, Michelle and Team Monday. Um, thanks so much, Jen, for your share and also for that response. Um, I have another question, which is 
I'd like to know what going to any lengths means to you. Oh, that's good. Going to any lengths. What does it mean to me? It means doing whatever I need to do um, to stay recovered or to get recovered. Like it, it, going to any lengths, there's another word that the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous uses. It's called balking, right? Balk, 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 like chicken, right? Like you're such a chicken, you won't do it. Like I was scared to death. That's what I say balking is, right? Like I know that's not right, but um, and here's what I'll just say going to any lengths means me showing up face to face for a meeting with my sponsor every Saturday for two and a half years, not missing a single meeting. I had small kids at home. Okay. I, my kids could not drive then. I left my kids for two and a half to three hours. That's, that's going to, that's going to any lengths. You know, when I'm sitting there in front of my sponsor and, you know, I didn't have a food plan at, at first, I had what's called my fitness pal. Cause I had men that sponsored me and they like like little contraptions and data. So I kept track of it on my, um, my phone. And, um, one day I got there and I was a little crazy in the head and he goes, well, you're doing everything, you know, that you need to be doing and you're reading, whatever. He goes, so why are you so up in your head and what's going on with you? And he pulled out my phone and he said, let's see what you've been eating. And I was not eating 250 calories a day for 14 days in a row. And so he made the suggestion that if I was going to go to any lengths to get recovered, that I eat every single morsel of food that was in that plan. So that's what mean that's what it means to go to any lengths, right? At least for me, that's what it did. So I hope that's helpful. Daisy, thanks for the question. Thanks, Daisy. Next up we have Emily D. Hi, family. Emily D recovered compulsive eater in Chicago. Um, thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength, and hope, Jen. Um, yeah, relate a lot. And I have a question. So um, I really related, especially to this experience of like, you know, five people through working with others. I was like, I've been recovered a year and a half. Um, I've sponsored a number of women at various points to various points, um, but I've only taken a handful, not quite a handful, not five yet, uh, through, um, through step 12. And so just testament to like, you know, the sharks and jumping from the Titanic and like this is this disease does not play. Um, I wonder, though, how when you get into sponsoring, you know, and someone relapses sort of like obviously you've worked with a lot of people um, and they've relapsed. And and how do you sponsor through a relapse? Someone's relapse. Um, how many relapses do you sponsor through? What's been your experience? Okay, that's a really good question. So let's define relapse first, because relapse to me, and this is how I define it, so this is just Jen's definition, is somebody who gets recovered, right, who is in a recovered state, um, who has gotten the gift of neutrality around food, exercise, whatever was, uh, you know, eating them up, and um, goes back out. That, to me, is relapse. Um when people like don't ever get through the steps and they just keep going back and keep going back. I don't know that that's relapse for me. Relapse to me seems I went back and, and Bill calls, he calls it a slip right in, in the 12 and 12. Um, but for me, I know there's um, three things that I can do. Number one, as a recovered person, I can pray. That's the first thing I do. I go to God. 
The second thing I do is I go to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and I look for the precise instructions and I say, you know, okay, God, I'm praying about this. Now, how do I know if I'm supposed to stick with this person or not? And there's this really nifty page. It's 96. So it's the opposite of 69. If you need like a little tool to help you remember 96. And it says this. It says, if you're, uh, it says, do not be discouraged if your prospect does not uh, respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. You're sure to find someone who is what? Desperate enough um, to accept with eagerness what you offer. We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. To spend too much time on any one situation is to deny some other alcoholic an opportunity to live and be happy. So you have to remember, and then it goes on to tell about um, the person in the fellowship who failed entirely with the first dozen prospects. That's why, like, I keep coming back, right? I keep coming back because he kept coming back and he died sober. I want to die sober. Pulling drunks off bar stools, you know, what am I doing? Going to Dunkin' Donuts and pulling people out of line to try and get them to come to Overeaters Anonymous. Like the girl at the checkout stand yesterday, she was like six foot and she weighed all of 96 pounds. And I just looked at her and there was nothing I could do but what? Be love and kindness because, you know, I know she's sick. I can tell, like she was a corpse with skin. And I, you know, I had a best friend like that that died. I get it. So that's what I do. I, I, I pray, I go to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then if I'm still not sure, it's that committee of three, right? Me, God, and my sponsor. And I go back and I work it through my sponsor. And usually I'm working it through what? A fear inventory. Because it's usually a fear that I have that I can't get somebody recovered, that I can't save people, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not making a difference. Wow, sick, right? And that's what this program has shown me is I get the grow, uh, the ability to grow spiritually through working with others. Half the time I'm doing steps on the people that I'm working with or the people that call me because it's like, ah, they're not doing it my way. You know, they're not following my script. And so I end up doing the work and finding out, well, gee, Jen, why don't you quit playing God? And sometimes me quitting playing God is doing this, letting go. Letting them have their own experience. And I will just say this, um, out of all the people that I've sponsored in the last four and a half years, I've only taken one person through the steps after they picked up again, after they quote unquote relapsed, she was on 10, 11 and 12, just starting to sponsor. And she picked up the grapes instead of going to God. And I don't know what I don't know, but we went back through the steps again and she relapsed. And then, you know, she went back out again. So I don't know, you know, I'm not. I don't have the mathematical equation or the knowledge to know what's right and what's wrong, but go to God, go to the big book and then discuss it with your sponsor. That's what I do. Thank you. We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Michelle, would you stop the recording, please? Okay.